Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 87 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts, well, co-host from the East Coast is up to, Dave the Alcadron Vader. How was your week? Uh, good. I am capable of breathing once again, <laughs> which is breathing pretty... Breathing is good. It's pretty awesome. Highly recommend it. Uh, yeah, all, all the kids, uh, they're all doing it. Yeah, yeah, everyone everyone is raving about this this cool new activity. <laughs> they're raving about it. <laughs> yeah, they're breathlessly. Ooh, all right. Yeah, uh, yeah and I'm sound, doing it sound now, better too. than the last few weeks. Thank you. Um, I've, I've been on this cycle lately where I get sick, and I'm sick for like two weeks, and then I very, very slowly get better, and then I'm better, mm-hmm. and then I, I'm better for like four days, and then I get sick again. So I think that whatever this sickness is, I think it's going to limp along for another week, and it's going to clear up right before Chicago, and then some sick idiot in Chicago is going to give me <laughs> the, the fourth round. Crud. Of this con crud disease, and I'm just yep. that's going to happen again. And I, for my part, will learn nothing and regret nothing from this experience. Right. And you'll have a blast in Chicago. I'm going to have such a good time in Chicago. Yep. How All is right. uh, your oh. week? Uh, my week is good. Very exhausting. I'm also sort of having trouble with the breathing that all the people are raving about. No, I did. Brad, what did I what did I just say? Breathing I, is I, I know I good. I listened to the whole thing. I was, I was reading articles about how good it is. Like doctors are telling me, "Hey, you should probably breathe," you know, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm trying, but in since like 2 p.m. Monday afternoon, I've been on the road all over the state of Missouri. Like 14 hours of driving, 7 800 miles, and it's all for work. And the problem is, I'm not just like working hard in one area i was like i live in this you know pretty much southeastern missouri i had to go to central missouri northwestern missouri northeastern missouri back to central missouri and then home so i'm i got like three different cl- climates that's like all attacking my sinuses in two days though right because missouri is like a tiny state uh, yeah yeah it's great it only this morning i left at six from northwest missouri and i got to northeast missouri at ten thirty. Mm. yeah so maybe not so tiny maybe i should look at a map yeah so between just hopping around different climates and zones and hotels like i'm really my sinuses are glad to be back home let's put it that way i i'm also glad that you are back home yeah like it wasn't a big deal i worked in for the same company the same job i worked in illinois years ago but i did it for like four or five years and i was there anywhere from three to five days a week but i worked in illinois so long that like my allergies and my sinuses adapted to illinois uh environment so when i came home i was constantly sick (laughs) because i was i would only be home for like two to three days and then i'd be back over there for the rest of the week like the the body is a weird thing it's weird how it adapts to all that stuff super weird yeah Oh, but anyway, that's my uh, my travel woes. Other than that, the, uh, the week's been fantastic. The weather's awesome. I got to catch up on some stuff that I've been putting off. And yeah, getting super ready, super excited for Chicago. 
Yeah. I'm really excited. Uh, yeah. Next up, our resident PDH PhD, Liam, was, I think, sternly told that he has plans this evening, so he will not be joining us. I mean, that's fair. It is Valentine's Completely Day. Completely fair. <laughs> yes, so, we are uh, recording on Valentine's Day evening. This is this is his first Valentine's Day with the new wife. So, uh, mm-hmm. Liam, wherever you are listening to this, uh, I hope it was awesome. I hope you yeah. and your wife had a great time. Tell her we said hi. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, before we get to the main topic, let's do some housekeeping. If you like the show and you like what we're doing here, consider supporting us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash the PDH pod. Just like our two new patrons did, Marlon and <clears throat> Mr. Lobert himself have signed up to the PDH pod Patreon. So nice. uh, welcome to the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get all the cool... Um, all the cool conversation in the Discord there. And yep, yeah, by being a patron, you get access to the pre-show, which is usually uh, just a short recording of us catching up for the week, working on show notes, going over the episode, that sort of thing. Uh, Marlon and Lobert have about 70 episodes worth of pre-shows to catch up on, so I expect those to be done uh, before Chicago. Uh, you also get early access to the episode before it goes live. I usually post it on Patreon the night before along with the show notes so you can kind of follow along with what we're talking about. And then finally, you get access to the uh, full unlocked PDH pod Discord server where you can chat with the rest of the crew, chat with the entire um, a bunch of people in the PDH pod or PDH community and then the PDH pod patron community, the, our little family that we've got growing there. You can get help with your decks. You can suggest episode topics. Uh, you can look at the adorable pictures of Finthorn Brownie's new puppy. It's amazing. His name's Buck. We Buck, all love him very much. Yes, very, very much. So don't ever let anything happen to him. And then lastly, uh, if you want to check out our YouTube channel or our Twitch channel, we're just the PDH pod on both of those platforms. And the latter is where I stream paper spell table PDH every Saturday, roughly at about 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. So that wraps up the housekeeping. This is usually where Liam jumps in with This Week in Magic, but I think we're going to try to take it over. We're going to do our best. We're going to do our best Liam impression. All right. Uh, first up, this week in Magic, a big, huge, massive shout-out to Mizu for taking down the Common Cause Tournament. Round of applause. I can hear everybody in their car at their house applauding right now. Perfect. Uh, they were playing um, Scholar of the Ages, correct? They were playing Scholar of the Ages, which uh, I didn't doubt it when... When Gator was on telling me that Scholar was one of the, the gatekeepers of the format that you needed to be able to beat, I didn't I didn't doubt that that was true, but I was very surprised that it was true mm-hmm. because uh, I cut my teeth in the competitive scene in the in the meta where everyone was playing a control deck, like it was either your the only the only the the entire meta was either control with combo finish or just control with beatdown finish. Right. And so in that in that meta, like Scholar got badly outclassed by the other control combo decks just because it's it's vulnerable on a couple different axes to, to like mm-hmm. well timed interaction. And so when 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 Gator came on, like Scholar's one of these pillars, one of these gatekeepers that you have to be able to deal with or you're not gonna get anywhere in this format. I was like I I believed him. But I was very surprised to hear it because in, in I I watched scholars struggle enormously to to get a foothold in competitive when Cork and was piloting it. 
but yeah, the the meta we have now super light on interaction from everyone. Yeah, uh, like I, I, I watched I watched Muzi's right last home, game, man. and like you know he he went off on turn six, uh-huh. and like the yep. entire table was just tapped out. Like the, every <laughs> every other player was like, "That's a scholar deck that's going to combo out. It's going to blow out everyone." We should tap out and present no threats to to, to this planet present at all. No end game result. Yep. And like puzzle puzzle was able to untap an island so that he could try to interact in one way, and the best he could do was bounce a peregrine drake. Sorry, that wasn't puzzle. That was um, was that that was Ankylosaur, who I just oh, cr- yeah, I yeah. mixed P- up with puzzle because like... they were on uh, Gretchen. Every time I yeah, see the puzzle, Gretchen deck, uh, actually, I'm like, oh, that's Puzzle. Puzzle took down some... God, I know I'm going to mess this up. But some, like... Pauper Geddon? Yu-Gi-Oh! Regional oh. Championship? Yeah, over the weekend. That's why you couldn't play in the Common Cause Tournament. Oh. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, right? I, I love and support you, Puzzle. I will always think Yu-Gi-Oh! is profoundly dumb. <laughs> so this congratulations i'm offering you is in many ways hollow but uh hollow. i'm i'm proud of you i guess yeah no it was uh it was ankylosaur uh on who was on gretchen and the only the only interaction he could offer was was like bouncing a peregrine drake which isn't what you do with per- like that doesn't solve the problem <laughs> Yeah, that. I mean, kudos, just, uh, kudos for trying, though. Yeah, you I do mean, something. Yeah, but yeah, no, like I, in this in this meta where just no one no one runs interaction and no one is prepared to stop a turn six combo. Uh, Scholar does work, and Mizu did work with Scholar over and over again. Yeah, big time work, big time work. Yeah, yeah. it was. Um, I was looking for players for that stream, that Saturday night stream. And mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think it was either Friday night or Saturday morning. Mizu was like, oh. You know, I'm playing in the Common Cause tournament today, so I'll probably go 03 and I'll I'll need to play on the stream tonight just to like, you know, cleanse my palate sort of thing. And next thing I know, he's uh, taken down the entire tournament. Yeah, I remember I remember joking about that after he won his first game. Everyone everyone in the Discord was like, "Congratulations!" Like all this all this plan of 03 and dropping out, or like with that plan gone, the only option left available for you is to <laughs> take down the entire thing, go undefeated, crush everyone, take first. Yep, and we were like, "Yep, lol." And then he did, and and then and he did it abruptly, he, like, took it seriously. <laughs> no one was laughing. Right. Uh, we were all too busy screaming his name in our living rooms while like sprinting around the room, flailing our arms. <laughs> uh, big flails, least, big flails. At least I was. I I assume everyone else watching was also doing that. Yeah, I was super excited. Super excited. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Expect expect to hear a lot about Mizu until the uh, next Sanctuary event, basically. Until we have yeah. another champion of another tournament. Yeah, we gotta. In an ideal world, expect to hear more about Mizu, and also expect to hear from Mizu. From the champion. If we get our way. If we get our way, that's right. And we usually do. And we do. Who are we kidding? Come on. <laughs> All right. Uh, more this week in Magic. They announced the uh, Sheldon Menery's Spellbook Secret Lair drop. I had to do a little bit of digging, but apparently it's going to be... They're going to, uh, I guess, go over the whole thing. They're going to reveal the cards for it on the Commander, the EDHRC stream on Twitch. 
Thursday night, the 15th. So that's tonight's tomorrow, or when you're listening to that, it's this morning's yesterday. Cool? All right. And then also today, got some infographics for Star City Games, the SCG Con schedule for 2024. It's all up and down the East Coast as normal, except they included Vegas this year, which is pretty dope. Sure. I think it's sometime in June. It's it's more it's more down the East Coast than up the East Coast. Oh, is it? I didn't look. I just saw East Coast, and I was like, oh, those are all fourteen yeah, hours it's, away. Yeah, it's all it's all. Uh, there's there's Richmond, there's Baltimore, there's DC, there's I think there might be an Atlanta's in there somewhere. Maybe maybe Atlanta's a different convention, but it's like it's all East Coast, but none of it is anywhere near me in Boston. Now they have SCG Con Columbus. I know every state has a Columbus. Do you know what state this is in? Oh, I didn't check. I assumed it was uh, an Ohio thing. Because it doesn't, it just has the uh, city on the infographic. It just says, you know, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Richmond, Las Vegas, Baltimore, Tampa, Washington, D.C., and Columbus, which I assume is Ohio as well, but. Yeah, it's got to be Ohio. Yeah. I mean, that's not a horrible drive for me. I got family out there. But yeah, we'll see. I got family in Ohio. And then they did add one, yeah, in Vegas in the uh, early part of June. So that'd be cool. That'd be cool. They also, yeah. I don't know who announces the Command Fests, if it's Watsi or who it is, but those have also been announced. They're all over the place. There's some uh, Texas, San Francisco. They're in England, China, Canada. They're all over the place. Australia, Germany. So, um, yeah, if you're big into the uh, Command Fests, I've never actually been to a specific Command Fest. I've been to fests and cons that have Commander at them, but not a Command Fest. And I heard they're pretty awesome, but all of these are super far away. Unless we wanted to get, like, you, like, get a thousand more patrons and fly us all to Sydney and hang out with Abby. I guess we could do that. Oh, yeah, that's a good plan. That is a good plan. Yeah. It's in, like, four months, though. Five months. <laughs> so, so start now. So start now. Spread the word, please. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's it. I've, you got anything for this week in Magic, Dave? Uh, yeah, uh, I just I want to also add. I've, I've never oh, been yeah. to an SCG con or a Command Fest. Uh, mm, they sound I, awesome. I would have assumed um, you've been to an SCG con. Just no geographically. I, I didn't know that SCG cons were a thing until like honestly until I started doing this podcast with Liam and it came up on a this week oh. in Magic bit. I've been very much out of the mainstream like news circuit for magic until mm -hmm. I started doing this with you guys. So like it's possible that some SCG cons have happened near me and I just wasn't interested because I only do magic in fringe niche ways. So yeah, no, I, I've never, never been to either of them. I don't know that I'll be able to at attend any of these things that have uh, now come to my attention. Columbus mm -hmm. is a possibility uh, I think of all the SCG cons on the East Coast that got listed, I think Baltimore is probably closest to me. Yeah. I have a bunch of really good friends in D.C. that would be overjoyed if I told them that I was coming to visit with them and play Magic on literally any other weekend of the year. <laughs> but these friends in D.C. are other world friends. Oh, yep, yep. And SCG D.C. is happening on other world weekend. So that's that's the one year that uh can't do it. Both or that's that's the one weekend that uh all of my other world friends or all my DC friends will be in Connecticut with me. So um, yeah. That one's not going to work. But yeah, uh the rest of this week in magic, 
we got a couple announcements from uh, Wizards themselves about what product is going to look like moving forward. Amidst reports that uh, Hasbro, as a parent company, is having a really shaky, sketchy kind of year, uh, Wizards is full steam ahead. They have announced that they are going to start doing two full premium sets of Universes Beyond each year. So Universes Beyond started as just secret layer stuff, like the Walking Dead, the Street Fighter guys, just really, really small scatterings of weird, basically altars, uh, which were yeah, cool. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then we got, they started sort of expanding it a lot more. You know, we got Commander products like Doctor Who and Warhammer. Lord of the Rings was the first full, entire, draftable universes beyond thing that they did mm-hmm. and universes er, and lord of the rings was an overwhelming success on every metric right it sold better than every other magic set in history and it just gave them everyone everyone who makes decisions at wizards is now fully on board with this idea <laughs> that we yeah. need a lot more universes beyond moving forward that, yep. that they they just sell really mm-hmm. well and they, Wizards wants to print money. So we're doing more of that now. We're going to go from, you know, this, this year we have, uh, we have Assassin's Creed and mm-hmm. Fallout. And Fallout. And next year, uh, and the, neither of those are full sets. Right. But I think yep. starting, starting next year, we're going to get Final Fantasy as an entire full premiere draftable set. And then I think at the end of next year, we're going to start getting Marvel stuff as full entire premiere draftable sets. And there's, I think there's going to be a, a couple of those. So that's what's in our future. Lots of universes beyond. Uh, Lots of universes become, beyond. Yep. Uh, that has moved from niche magic, the, the mainstream way that magic is going to get made now. And we're also getting uh, a new kind of booster... Uh, right on the heels of the announcement that we're not doing draft boosters anymore. We're just doing play boosters now. Uh, there's a new kind of booster. It's called Beyond Booster, which is, as far as I can tell, it's what happens if you take a draft booster and just remove all of the commons. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. <laughs> get like three uncommons and a rare, and then there's like a foil slot and a uh, whatever... The, the 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 list slot yeah the which slot, sometimes slot isn't seven the is for booster fun booster fun that's booster the word fun, yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. yeah and then like a token and a land yep yeah it's just yeah. Com- commons rares some kind of foil some kind of booster fun and then yeah, a land seven card token. packs um yeah th- they will not contain commons and they're not meant to be drafted the the contents of the packs and the sets that they're associated with, they, they, they will all be modernly legal. They're going to have reprints in them, possibly, and then a chance to have up to four rares or mythics. Uh, I guess. Yeah. And it's going to start with the Assassin's Creed. It's basically, like, from what I understand, Watsi didn't like the performance of the epilogue boosters. What was that, Aftermath? Is that what that was? Aftermath, yeah. Yeah, and well, not only did they not like the performance, they did not like the fan reaction, so they've decided to, like, 
kind of do kind of do them again, but associated with with every set. Hmm. Like the um the Assassin the Assassin Creed set is going to be like a hundred cards, and there'll be boosters for it. So, but th- these beyond boosters, I guess. All right. So I guess instead of doing the epilogue boosters, they're going to be like like universes beyond. They are beyond boosters. You know, they're boosters for just the universes beyond set. I assume. Huh. I'm not as good at research as as Liam is. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I wonder if the Assassin's Creed set is going to have commons. I know it's just like uh, it's like a hundred card set. It's very small. It's it's basically like an aftermath. That's a really good question. And Aftermath didn't really have any comments for us. Right. So maybe Assassin's Creed is the same. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Who knows Please anymore? look forward to getting clarification on these topics from Liam sometime in the future when he's back and can say things with definitive authority instead of us being like, I think I heard someone somewhere say a thing once. Say some words once. Yep. Yeah, but apparently there's going to be some panels at Magic Con Chicago where they're going to talk about these. They're going to talk about Outlaws of Thunder Junction, Assassin's Creed, MH3, Bloomborough, all that good stuff. So if you're at Chicago, try to catch those panels. If not, I'm sure the news is going to be um, crammed down our throat on social media as soon as the words are spoken. So you'll find it somewhere. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for helping me out with Liam's This Week in Magic role. Let's get on to the main topic here. All right. Well, we all know that Valentine's Day is supposedly supposedly made for lovers, right? So we thought it would be a nice holiday treat to go through some of the more noteworthy and possibly some of the lesser known MTG partners. Not partners according to like the rules text boxes that are on the cards, but like actual in lore partners. And for for quite a bit of this episode, we're working off memory. At least I am. Dave kind of locks some of this stuff in pretty well. And then for the rest of it, we're kind of filling in the gaps with MTG fandom information. So if we get something wrong, uh, take it up with Liam. I think he's our complaint department. What do you think, Dave? I, absolutely. We are we are here to celebrate V-Day. V-Day. And the V obviously stands for Vorthos. So uh, strap in. I love it. To get some uh, lessons about people, characters... And uh, their romances. Right. And there are some pretty good ones here. We were kind of filling in the show notes during the pre-show. And, like, like I knew, like, a very basic, very elementary level understanding of the lore. But uh, there was some on here that honestly surprised me. I thought it was really neat. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we got we got some good ones on this list. Mostly. So let's 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 open with we, we have a list. I made a list of uh, everyone who I could possibly think of that was in a relationship. And, like, Magic has some good relationships. There's some mm-hmm. really cool, like, story-focused things, like Chandra and Nyssa, 10 out of 10, outstanding work there. I right. love what, what most of the story has done with them. We don't talk about Forsaken. Uh, <laughs> that was fake. Never happened. So, um, is, so let me ask you this, because I, I, I yeah. literally don't know. Is... Jace and Vraska an actual in lore thing, or is that just something yeah. the fans want to see? 
No, Jace Vraska is, is that's the one I was going to mention next. Uh, oh, okay. Jace Vraska is a really, really strong relationship. They, the two of them are very into each other. They, they struggled for a long time to be into one another and like they reconciled their feelings for each other. Like it was, it was a great thing. It was super fun to read about the whole time. Um, no, the last these, we heard these from relationships, either... do they like forge, you know, over multiple books? Like, oh, yeah, one novel, it's sort of like no. a like ongoing storylines. Uh, yeah, this is an ongoing storyline. Like, Jason Vraska for a long time were, were enemies, they were very bitter enemies mm-hmm. on Ravnica. Uh, Vraska had like machinations for the Golgari, sure, and Jace was like sort of the foil to that. So yeah, for a while, like Jace was definitely like, or Vraska was like a villain, and Jace was the 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 protagonist, and they were they were very much at odds, and you know like they in Ixalan, they started to develop feelings for one another. The first Ixalan, where mm. Jace Jace was sent to Ixalan with no memories, oh, and okay, so like okay. Vraska found him and was like. I should kill you for what you've done. And he's like, you should what? Who should are you? What? You're hot, though. <laughs> and she was like, what? Okay, maybe Wait, we'll hold off I'm on cute? the killing. What? Uh, let's just hang out and see what happens. Yeah. And um, no, it was it was really cute, like watching them sort of like, and then just, you know, got his memories back and was like, oh, that's why he wanted to kill me. I get it now. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Sorry, okay, babe. okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, but they were like into each other at that point. And then like they, you know, for a while there was this like, should we, shouldn't we? You know, it was it was like a really like long developed thing that that nice. went for a while, and it was it was fun to read about. I enjoyed it. Last last we heard from them, they were both dead, dying, phyrexianized, something. Yep. Completed. Don't know. Don't know what happened after that. Yep. Haven't heard from either of them since. I think there's um, a yeah. teaser or a spoiler that Veraska is going to be in the Wild West set. Sweet. Uh, that was just like a. There was like a shadowy figure in the art that they spoiled for like the cover art for the set, you know, and everybody's like, we think that's Veresca, but. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I haven't paid attention to that, but that would be sweet. Yeah. But yeah, the, um, the moral of all of that is that Magic has some really high quality relationships and overwhelmingly those relationships are focused on characters who have only ever been represented on rare and mythic cards. So... Oh. We had to do some extra digging. We had to do. We had to. We had to look really hard to find uncommon creatures, so legal PDH commanders that right. were also involved in romance. So some of this list I just knew about because I follow the lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, not I wouldn't. I wouldn't say closely. I'll just say I'll follow the lore. Uh, so I was able to populate pre-populate some of this list with characters that I knew about. Chunks of this list just come from me doing a scryfall search for legendary uncommons and looking through being like, do I know anything about this character? Is this is this a person who has gotten story spotlights? Are they in a romantic relationship? Right. And uh, we did find a handful of them. Yeah. I'm just now remembering that Chandra does have an uncommon card. Ooh. So let's add... Let's add her to the very top of this list because she's my favorite. Chandra? Yeah, Chandra. Totally has a thing with Nyssa. They are very much into each other. Uh, Amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, last we heard from them, Nyssa had lost her spark. Chandra still has hers, and Mm -hmm. they are working through 
how to be in a relationship when Chandra is still doing the world hopping hero gig <laughs> and Nissa is plane bound. Right. Um, but there were some like portals that they agreed that they could maybe step through together and stay stay with one another as they explored in this new way mm-hmm. see where they were going this new both chapter. in the universe and with each other so chandra and nissa that's that's uh we'll start there next on the list is the other set of gruel friends yeah and that is everyone's favorite pair of lesbians elena and halana both of these cards or both of these characters got cards with partner with mm-hmm. in commander legends and then later they got a single card that is named Halana and Elena Partners. Yep. Uh, just because they wanted to make it extra super duper clear to everyone right. else that <laughs> if there was, was any happening. questions, now right. they are assuaged. Yep. Yep. People. I mean, there's there's a long history of historians looking at relationships that were very obviously queer and going, "Wow, these people were good friends, like yeah. brothers." Look at that. So That's like, so cute. yeah, wizards is wizards is working hard to prevent future future. <laughs> Historians from erasing that part of their identity. Um, yep. Yeah, this is uh, what what both of these characters live in Ulvenwald Forest in Innistrad, mm-hmm. where their main job is hunting and tracking the in the woods. There's a they're both like rangers, um, and their side job is fighting werewolves. Oh, nice. Except for that one time when Emrakul made the entire <laughs> plane go completely bat crap nutty. Mm-hmm. During that time, they teamed up with the werewolves to fight sure. Emrakul. Sometimes you just you just got to do. Sometimes when Emrakul is there, you're like, you know what, werewolves? Maybe you're not that bad. Yeah, we cool. And then later, when people like took the sun away, and it was always night all the time and the werewolves got out of control they were like okay now it's now it's back to fighting werewolf time yep you're not cool so um, more yeah so that's uh elena and halana they are partners now have you I, i'm assuming a alana and halana pdh deck is functional like is it a absolutely okay I, i've never yeah. played against it i've never really seen one i know it's a thing i guess but i didn't know if it was just like a um, a fan thing you know what i'm saying like a devotee sort of thing or if it was actually no. like a fun decent deck yeah so like weirdly i i have an elena deck partnered with someone else mm-hmm. and i have a halana deck partnered with someone else i think they work better like me- mechanically i think their cards work better with other partners but it is very possible to make a deck with just the two of them working together elena is a five mana four three that lets you tap to add an amount of red mana equal to the greatest power among creatures that enter the battlefield this turn. Yeah. So she wants you to be in big power stompy mode. Big mm-hmm. power, big mana stompy. Halana uh, lets you, whenever a creature comes into play, you can pay two mana and have that creature... It's not a fight, because the other creature doesn't yeah, fight back. It's just a bite. bite. Mm-hmm. So she can she can have your creatures bite other things if you spend two mana when they come in. So she is also very much about big mana, big stompy. Uh, the two of them together can make a very potent gruel deck where you can, you know, you can play the riot. No, what is it? Wrecking beast. Yeah, wrecking you can beast. just play the yeah. wrecking beast, and you know, 
Elena will let you tap to add six mana to your pool for it. <laughs> Alana will let you pay, spend two of that mana to immediately kill something else. Yep. And then you can spend the rest of it on, I don't know, fire breathing? Removal? Sure. What, whatever you want to do with, with the rest of that mana. So yeah, the, the two of them are super capable of being a fun deck together. Cool. Our next pair is the next pair. We, we sort of there's three that we wanted to do first because the 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 first set of like three partners that we're talking about are both partners in the lore and cards that you can partner together in the game of magic right so yep. we we open with elena plus helana because they're partners in the lore and you can partner the two of them in a game uh the other pair of Commander Legends partners that you can put together like this that were uh, a couple are Rebek and Glacian. Mm -hmm. Rebek and Glacian, in the lore, are ancient, ancient artificers. Both of these people were part of the Thran Empire old at its absolute magic. peak. Yep. Super, super old school. So, if you remember... I, I don't know. Like, like, let's, let's try to put the Thran into the timeline correctly about a year ago we got the set brothers war yeah and the brothers war was us looking back you know a thousand years into the past to see what happened in the war between mishra and urza mm -hmm. that war was fought over relics from the dead thran civilization yeah much older yep much 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 older so this is so in the in the ancient 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 times we had this Thran civilization which was the super advanced civilization uh Glacian is actually part of the reason that they were super advanced Glacian is a power stone engineer mm -hmm. he came up with this way to store power in these power stones which were basically like little nuclear reactors and so you can put these power stones into machines and it will power the machine you know, supply enormous amounts of power to this machine more or less indefinitely. Right. And they use this technology to build crazy, like floating cities, <laughs> like yeah. massive, incomprehensible technological wonders. Mm -hmm. And it turns out when you are constantly surrounded by little nuclear reactors, there are health consequences. There are problems. That. Yep. And uh, so the 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 health consequence for surrounding yourself with nuclear reactors is called phyresis mm -hmm. or phythesis i think phythesis phythesis yeah phythesis yep. so uh yeah um glacian got phythesis from when one of his uh underlings one of his workers stabbed him with a power stone and nothing was working to heal this disease which was, by the way, rampant among all of the workers. The workers <laughs> who had to handle the power stones, like on the day to day, they mm -hmm. were dying of phthisis constantly, and no one, no one cared. They were like, ah, that's that's what slaves do. One of the the boss guy gets phthisis from getting stabbed from one, with one of his power stones. Now it's an emergency. Now they call in the big time healer, who is such a powerful healer that he started doing human experimentation and got exiled from their society. Yes. This man's name is Yogmoth. Fan favorite. You may have heard of him. He <laughs> invented Phyrexia. Uh-huh. Uh, so he comes back from exile and was like, yes, I can cure you. Totally can cure him. Chooses not to. 
because Glacian is married to Rebek, mm-hmm. his his wife, lover, partner. Yagamoth is really, really into Rebek and thinks that if he kills Glacian or accelerates this disease to 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 let Glacian die faster, that Rebek will will then be with Yagamoth. Uh, right. Turns out that's wrong. There's a war. Phyrexia gets created. Uh, it's a bad time for everyone. The entire Thran civilization gets lost. And then thousands of years later, Mishra and Urza, led by their mentor Tokasia, are digging in the desert and they find some of these power stones. And they're like, oh man, we could do some crazy stuff with these. And they yep. disagree over what they should do with them. And that causes the Brothers War. Yep. And if you're um, curious, the... The Thran Empire was like, like you just said, it was literally five thousand years before the actual Brothers' War. Yeah, like so forever yeah, f- ago. Five thousand years before the Brothers' War, we had the Thran Empire. Yep, which which led to the creation of Phyrexia. That's when Glacian and Rebek are from. Yep, and then we had the Brothers' War, and even now the Brothers' War is like a thousand years distant, or like yep. five hundred years in the past from. Yeah, the, the Brothers' War is what caused the Ice Age, which is where we were in 1995. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, Rebek and Glacian did cool stuff five and a half thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Glacian got murdered by Yagmoth. Rebek uh, outlived him, went to Phyrexia, did some other stuff. Um, but they were they were partners. They were they were married. And sort of unlike Halana and Elena, a Rebecca Glacian deck has yet to be cracked. Yeah, it's like they both <laughs> do things with artifacts, but they don't do it very well together. Like yeah, if they I don't ever synergize very well together at all. Yeah, like Rebecca will give all of your artifacts protection from each CMC for which you control an artifact. Correct. Which can be really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that—that's an ability that makes you want to put together a bunch of artifact creatures and turn them sideways, yep. and just be really aggressive on the ground with these things that, like, you know, largely can't be blocked and are gonna, you know, not take damage. Assuming you have a, a an eclectic suite of different CMCs. Yeah, um, it's a good way to put it—an eclectic suite. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, Glacian is a six mana six three, three with six. a tap ability three six. Yeah, thank you. With a tap ability that lets you look at the top X cards of your library, where X is how many artifacts you control, and put one into your hand, and the rest onto the bottom. I think into your graveyard. Into your graveyard. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, at six mana, he is not going to do a great job of supporting the aggressive strategy that Rebek. Right. Is sort of pushing you towards. He's going to do a lot of. Yeah, it's six mana with a tap ability. Yeah, it's kind of just rough. Yeah. yeah. It's very flavor, possible flavor to win if you show deck. up to the table with a Glacian Rebecca deck. But... Yeah, super flavorful. Yep. But yeah, not. They, you know, Rebecca and Glacian, same. they completely, like, infinitely love each other. They just have different hobbies. Much. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's fine. Glacian was an artificer, power stone engineer. I think Rebecca was an architect. Yeah, chief architect of the Thran Empire's chief capital of Halcyon. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that's that's our second pair of uh, couple. Mm-hmm. 
who uh, who can also be your PDH partners. There's one more couple that can simultaneously be your commanders together. Yeah. Uh, oh no, I lied. One of one of these other things should also be in this category. Okay, there's two more. Okay, there's two more. First one, Lay Weaver and Lore Weaver. Mm-hmm. There's no real lore for these characters. Like they're not legendary. Mm-mm. They're it, just they're those just aren't dudes. even real like super names. Like they're just right. <laughs> those are those are like titles. Yeah. Um, but like I feel like you can kind of just look at these cards and tell that they're super gay for each other. Yeah. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. These 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 two women have a thing. You know that they have a thing. The details are not available on MTG Wiki fandom sites, <laughs> but they are available on AO3 whenever you want. Right. So, and of go the, enjoy uh, that. Of the three, I guess, couples we've talked about so far, the Weavers are by far the most powerful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In weavers the format, are anyway. Top tier competitive. Yep. Elena <laughs> uh, and Helana, functional. Functional. Rebecca and Glacian. Uh, questionable. Sus. Questionable. Lane Laura Weavers. Uh, it's there. You do it's not there. not have to dig. Yeah. To to get a really powerful Lane Laura Weaver deck. Yep. So yeah, not a ton else to say about Lane Laura Weaver except mm-hmm. that uh yeah, they're they're very much into each other. Definitely. And you can tell, and it shows. So, yeah, the very last thing I want to mention where it is possible to put a character and that character's romantic partner into the command zone at the same time, is from Theros Beyond Death, we have a, a character named Alirios. Yep. Alirios Enraptured. Alirios is madly in love with himself. I think the, um, the fandom is hilarious. Under the history for Alirios, it just says... A narcissist known for staring lovingly at his own reflection in a pond. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, this is this is literally the uh, the magic universe version of Narcissus, mm-hmm. who, who is the root of the word narcissist, just someone who's in love with themselves. Yep. So Alirios stares at his own reflection in a pond, and his card... Uh, creates a reflection token when it comes into play. Yep. So uh, yeah, you can you can partner. It's I guess it's not it's not actually a partnership. It's just this character and the object of his infection uh, his affections. Yep. Himself. Himself. Yes. Are uh, they both come on the same card? So uh, easy. Have Put I... that in the command zone. You're all set. <laughs> now this next one I did. I know the first one of this next pair, but not the second one. So the second one, yeah. The, so the, this pair we're talking about next, uh, this is Heiko, who's the, the the Yamazaki cousin from Neon Dynasty, the red one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heiko in the in the story falls in love with and begins a relationship with a character named Chie. Chie never got a legendary card, but Chie is represented on a card. And that card is Dockside Chef. Oh, okay. Okay. It, he's got some he does some cool stuff in the story. He's got a he's got a tattoo of a boiling water pot. Mm-hmm. 
which sometimes activates and actually sprays boiling water at things, <laughs> which mostly makes him a really good chef. And sometimes he uses that in combat to scald people. Sure. But yeah, uh, Heiko and Chie, totally a thing in the story. Nice. I found out about that when I was, I did a lot of research on Heiko and Norika before I wrote Now, Heiko and them. Norika, they're cousins? They're cousins. Okay, I knew they were and, family. I just couldn't remember how they were, were related. Yeah. Uh, so they are, they're sort of distant cousins. The, you know, in a thousand years ago, we had the Yamazaki twins. Mm -hmm. And they each had their own family. And those families, like, were close, but, like, sort of created different clans. So Heiko, Heiko and Norika, I think, descend from the original brothers mm, many, okay. many generations gotcha. back. Yeah. So yeah, Heiko and Norika, oh, this was this a, a two cards that a lot of people sort of thought should have partner. And uh, you can make a compelling argument for that. Sure. Um, in the story... The two of them were, were really, really close childhood friends, just inseparable mm -hmm. as children. And uh, when they were playing, there was an accident that wasn't Heiko's fault, but that Heiko kind of blamed herself partially for, where Norika got really catastrophically injured oh. and like had to spend years of her life in rehab and currently still lives with a bunch of like neuroprosthesis. Mm-hmm. To help her, like, and Heiko's just, like, fine. Heiko's just still, you know, squishy organic person. Right. Norika's <laughs> half machine at this point. But, like, after that incident, like, Norika started, you know, was living in hospitals for years at a time. Heiko sort of left and, um, like, drifted away. And then Heiko ended up joining the uh, Sokanzan Rebellion. Mm -hmm. And Norika was tasked with putting down the rebellion. Oh, okay. And so they became enemies that were like, they, they chased each other around a little bit in the story, like trying to get the upper hand on one another. And then they sort of like realized that it was each other. And they were like, oh, we should talk about this because I don't want to fight you because we have, we have this history together. And the story actually ends with them like beginning to talk. Oh, okay. So it's very it's very open ended what the results of that conversation are. Like maybe they stay, maybe they reconcile and sort it out. Maybe they uh, don't, but so we the, don't know. So these two are like pretty central to the Kamigawa storyline. Kind of, yeah. Kamigawa, Kamigawa is like a series of vignettes. Okay. Um, I don't know that there was like one central story to the whole thing. Like the the Heiko Norika story was part of it. Um, there were other vignettes about, you know, like the Wanderer and Kaito and uh, Tezzeret mm -hmm. doing other things. Like, the, yeah, the main story was mostly Wanderer, Kaito, Tezzeret, and what, and Tamio as well. All of them, like, trying to figure out what needed to be done about this Jin Gitaxius invasion. Sure. Like, that was the main storyline. But yeah, it, the backdrop of all of that was this, like, rebellion. Um, where these these Sokenzan renegades, like essentially Ronin, were trying to overthrow the imperial rule, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, there were um, Naomi is sort of the character that represents imperial rule. She's Norika's boss, and I forgot the name of Heiko's boss. 
in the Sokenzen Rebellion. Right. But yeah, well, yeah, there's, um, that was, that was the backdrop for the Jingataxius reality chip, Tamyo getting completed. Okay, thing. cool. Yeah. But yeah, we got Heiko and Chie, the Dockside Chef, totally, uh, hooking up. Totally just chilling out. Yeah. Bros. Not bros. <laughs> bromance. Yeah, bromance. So, that is approximately the end of the characters that are uncommon characters in a relationship with uncommon characters. Correct. Uh, we have uh, a handful of more characters that we can talk about on this list, but th- at this point, everything else is going to be like characters that are in relationships with mythic rares. Sure. <laughs> Two that I want to mention right off the bat. We talked about the Brothers War. That's Urza and Mishra. Mm-hmm. The Brothers War set gave us uncommon representations of Urza and Mishra. Right. So I wanted to mention their romantic situation briefly, but only briefly because their romantic situation is a mess. Um, <laughs> Urza spent his life married to a woman named Kayla Bin Krug, mm-hmm. who he won as a prize for lifting a heavy thing using a robot. Lifting um, a heavy thing. Yes. Cool. Uh, Kayla's Kayla's father was king, and Kayla's Kayla's father promised her hand in marriage to whoever was strong enough to like lift a big rock, and no one could do it. So Urza built a machine that could do it, not because he gave, he not because he cared about Kayla at all. He was deeply disinterested in her throughout mm-hmm. their entire relationship, but because uh, Kayla's dad had a book about the Thran that he wanted to read so he could understand how to use power stones to make uh, war machines. Okay. Okay. Um, so he did that and then, uh, married Kayla became the King of Krug or y- Yosha, uh, when, when Kayla's dad died, but like the, the two of them sort of always hated each other. Okay. In fact, Kayla had an affair at one point with Mishra, oh. which oh. was a little wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mishra, on the other hand, uh, was briefly romantically involved with his apprentice, Ashnod, Mm -hmm. who, very morally questionable character, made a lot of (laughs) decisions. Uh, Both of them made a lot of decisions, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, Ashnod has never had an uncommon card, but she's been represented on on a couple. Ashnod eventually fell in love with Thanos, Mm -hmm. who was... Urza's apprentice and the two of them actually after the brothers were the two of them got together stayed together founded a school of artifice and magecraft yes where they worked together to to teach people and um they referred to each other as ducky and nod so if you <laughs> see references in the lore to ducky or nod ducky is tanos nod is ashnod yeah. the two of them their very different moral stances on uh-huh. whether or not experiment with human brains and make them into transmogrants. <laughs> Two of them were very into each other. Kind of cute in like a crazy way. Yeah, Ashnod's super cute. Yeah. In a crazy way. As long yeah. as you're not looking at the... Ashnod's Vanguard card was yeah. drawn by uh, Ron Spencer, who mm-hmm. I hate. <laughs> I wish that had different art, better art, just any any other art, really. Yeah, it like, is. Uh, it's pretty intense, actually. It's nuts. Yeah, like Ashnod, as she's depicted on 
Brothers War cards, like in Ashnod's Intervention, and like her, her very own card in Brothers War. Mm-hmm. Like, I really like that design for her as a character. Yeah. Like, Ron Spencer's design of Ashnod is just kind of gross. Almost R-rated, yeah. So, this actually isn't about Ashnod. Ashnod was never an uncommon. True. Uh, I true. just wanted to talk about Urza and Mishra. Other uncommon creatures that have interesting romantic partnerships. Uh, I'm going to start with this one. Daxos. Ooh, okay. Is a demigod. Mm-hmm. He's Daxos has been featured on a handful of cards. One of them has been uncommon. He uh in in Theros Beyond Death, he he became the demigod of uh sort of Helios's basically understudy yeah, of Theros. Yes. Uh in a previous life, he and Elspeth had a thing. Uh, they worked together for a while while Elspeth was on Theros, trying to do Elspeth's thing on mm-hmm. Theros. They confronted their feelings for each other and acknowledged that they should be together in in tragic Greek fashion, like about four minutes before they both died. <laughs> Sounds um, about right. Yeah, it's very Greek yeah. of them. Uh, very, very tragedy, very like, yeah... The, man, Greek Greek mythology is just so like depressing. Yeah, it, it it knows what it's doing. Yeah, it's like we're gonna we're gonna spend so long teasing you with the possibility of something of some happiness here, and then we're gonna just rip it away. Not from even you. like end it. Like literally, they're gonna rip it away from you. Yeah, yeah like violently yeah. every, <laughs> every time, time. <laughs> without ever stopping. Yeah. So the the magic uh, magic lore captured that well yeah. with the Daxos versus Elspeth For romance sure. that never actually happened. <laughs> People just thought about it really uh-huh. hard for a while. Another Theros romance that did happen was Annex and Symede. Yeah, I do I do like this one quite a bit. Yeah. So this one this one's cool because in the original Theros set we actually got a card that is Annex and Symede, yeah. which is the the two of them husband and wife together co king and queen co-rulers of something Akros? Yes, co-rulers of Akros. But he, Anax, was a warrior, mm-hmm. and a follower of Eros and later Perforos. Right. And Symede was a follower of Crufix? No, Keranos. Devoted follower of Keranos. So also, in true yeah, Greek fashion, uh, terrible things happened to them both. They got to be the they got to be together for a while. They were they were married. They co-ruled. They 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 lived happy and fulfilling lives. I think at the end of it, Symede got completed. Yep, during the uh, invasion. Yep. Yep. Symede got completed before that happened. Anax got turned into a demigod and the champion of Perforos and was just made to like duel people for a while. Yeah. I think he sort of like lost his mind. Like when I guess the process of hit, turning him into a demigod uh yeah, just like blanked his memory and his mind and his individuality. Yep. Except sometimes he still mutters the word Siamid. Oh yeah, yeah, here we go. During the war between the gods, Perforos reforged Annex into a demigod who can't think of anything but victory. 
Nevertheless, he repeats a single word, Siamid. Yep. So he misses her, but she's a Phyrexian. Yeah, she is. So maybe he doesn't. He misses the idea of her. So very Greek of them. Everything is so sad. Everything is so sad. Heart wrenching. It's terrible. Let's talk about. Do you, do you want to tell us about this one that really shocked you? Yeah, I was. We were going through the show notes, like setting everything up and like kind of fleshing out this list a little bit. And I saw that you had put in the notes one uncommon creature that recently downshifted, I guess, and a lot of people have built around, and one planeswalker. And I was like, wait, Dave, quit being that way. That's crazy. But apparently it's true. I did not know that. Sabira and Teferi, Teferi were married, basically. Like, were, were a thing, like, at all. Like, I guess it's my lack of knowledge with the lore itself, but I was actually really surprised to um, to learn that, and I thought it was really cool and just really awesome. Like, I, I never made the connection before. Like, I've seen Sabira, the card, obviously, the art a million times. I've seen, obviously, Teferi's been everywhere for decades, I've just never put the two together. And I think they even ended up on a secret lair card together um, at one point. One of the charity secret lairs, I believe. And I just, I never actually put the two together. So I don't know much about their history necessarily, especially to fairy. Like it's not something I ever paid attention to, but like, I just thought it was really cool. And it took me by surprise. So I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I, uh, Oh yeah, sorry. I, I I paused to try and look up this card that features them together. Yeah, it's the the secret layer version of uh, Teferi, Hero of Dominaria. Yeah, that's it. Has the the three of them as a family. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So after after the first Phyrexian invasion, which culminated with Teferi sort of sealing Zalfir away, mm-hmm. like out of time in in this in a weird phase phased bubble like he permanent he permaphased Zalfir, his homeland uh he was wandering around in in other parts of the sort of the mirage setting and ran across subira who's a caravanier uh in jamura and the two of them fell in love very quickly and had a child named nyambi mm-hmm. um which was mostly raised by teferi because subira like she she loved teferi she loved uh their family but she was uh she could not let go of her nomad tendencies right so she she raised uh raised nyambi from through the infant and toddler years and then sort of left to to do the the nomadic thing and come back to their home periodically and visit right yeah there was uh they they like this is one of the the relationships that's like shockingly like drama free like the two of them met they fell in love they had a kid and like they just like nothing bad ha- like Subira died sure of old age right <laughs> of natural causes <laughs> <laughs> yeah natural causes old age like at the at a at the at the ripe old age of having lived a, a fulfilling and successful life Teferi is immune to aging he has not died yet mm-hmm. so I mean but like it's very refreshing after those Greek ones. <laughs> Where people just get like violently murdered moments after declaring their love for you, like no, this is, uh, it's actually very wholesome. Yeah. Two of them were just into each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. I just never made the um, made the connection, I guess. Yeah, it's her. Her card is very, very red. Very. There's red. nothing about yeah that card 
that suggests that like she and Teferi would get along. <laughs> that's a good way to but, put it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Subira, definitely Teferi's wife. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what else is on this list? Uh, here are two characters that I know are a relationship, but I don't know anything about them. Okay. Rilsa Rail and Nine Fingers Keen. Yeah, I was looking that up too because I do love me a good Rilsa deck. I think she's a very uh, powerful and intriguing, I mean, obviously not just a card, but a character in the D&D yeah. Forgotten Realms, um, you know, fandom or what have you. And yeah, I just, yeah. as far as I could tell... I don't. Were they in a relationship together? I know she worked for Nine Fingers. They were. Yeah, yeah. They were. They were very much in love. They were girlfriends. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, Keen Nine Fingers Keen, whose real name I've actually forgotten. It's uh, uh, Estelle. Estelle. Estelle Nine Fingers Keen. Um, yeah. So. She is the guildmaster of the Shadow Thieves in Baldur's Gate. Right. Beneath her are a handful of lieutenants. One of those lieutenants is Rilsa, who has, for for the length of her employ, always been Keen's favorite because the two of them are boning down on the reg. <laughs> on uh, the reg. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, uh, Nine Fingers Keen, who does have a magic card. I thought uh, so. Yeah, I thought the, so. It's a rare from the Baldur's Gate set. I think it's I think it's Soul Tie colors. She does crazy things with gates. Yep, and she has Ward Pay Nine Life. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not a small amount. Yeah, you gotta you gotta work really hard to mess with Keen. Yeah, uh, it's good to be a Shadow Thief, uh -huh. I guess. But yeah, she and Rilsa Rail are. Uh, together. Yeah, I like that one quite a bit. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, who else we got? Sahili and Huatli mm -hmm. aren't legal commanders, but they are illegal commanders. <laughs> they do have uh, uncommon printings, yes. <laughs> planeswalkers. They met in Ravnica through a message board. Oh. And then they... Right. Yeah, like uh, one of them was there was there was a message board that was written in special ink that could only be read by planeswalkers essentially, and they started communicating with one another that way oh, okay. as an, in an attempt to like solve problems. Yeah, like like they were you know, Sahili is an artificer trying to do artificer things. Hwatli is a brilliant warrior and poet, uh, and they were they they started like collaborating, and then they met and they were like, oh man, what's up? Really <laughs> What's up? What's up? Wink. <laughs> I got a dinosaur. Um, yeah. So then they started planeswalking around together, and then the like the whole Phyrexian thing happened. And I I don't know if they can planeswalk around together anymore. I think at this point in the story, it's unclear whether or not either of them still have a spark. But I think they are on Ixalan together. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, we 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 were just on Ixalan. We were. Quatli has a card and it's a creature. Mm -hmm. Sahili does Sahili have a card? I know that Sahili gets mentioned in cards. Like there's a there's a card Sahili's Lattice. Looks like Sahili's last card was Brothers War. Oh no, yeah, Sahili's okay. Lattice. Yeah. Oh no no, so, she does have a Lost Cavern. Sahili, the Sun's Brilliance. 
Is it a creature or a planeswalker? It is a creature. Legendary creature, human, okay. artificer. So both of them appear to have lost their sparks, mm -hmm. uh, but they are chilling together on Ixalan doing the dating thing. Yeah, doing the chill and, thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, on the uh, fandom for Huatli, it says, Huatli's a human and warrior poet from Ixalan with an affinity for dinosaurs, and now I'm mad that we don't have the mechanic affinity for dinosaurs. I... <laughs> mm. Why don't we have affinity for dinosaurs? I don't know. But I looked through all the Huatli cards, and just to make sure it didn't want... say that somewhere. No, we don't have it. I want a Sahili X Huatli card. Yes. That's uncommon. And has affinity for dinosaurs. <laughs> I want it to be four colors. Okay. Everything but black. Yeah. I'm definitely on board with that. Yeah. Affinity for dinosaurs. Yeah. It's it's going to be really... It having affinity for dinosaurs is going to be really bad. Because it's going to be like a five mana spell. Yep. That's four colors. Like that affinity <laughs> for dinosaurs just going to mean if you control a dinosaur, it costs one less. It costs one less if you control any number of dinosaurs. But I, I do need to have that printed on the card. Yep. And this, uh, yeah, the next one's pretty cool, too. I had no idea. Uh, the next one is just stupid nonsense that I made up. Oh, okay. So the next one is... Uh, it's kind of like Lay Weaver and Lore Weaver, where like these aren't actual like characters. They're just, like, sort of generic people represented on cards. Yep, they are uh, bodies with mana costs. Bodies with mana costs and titles more than they have, like, they don't have proper names. Yeah. But I I maintain, and will continue to maintain until the day I die, you can tell effortlessly that these two characters are deeply in love with one another. At least for the night. At least, <laughs> for 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 periods of time that last a number of hours, these two are very much into each other. Yeah. Who knows what happens after that? Right. But uh, we need to talk about Markov Walzer, mm -hmm. who is a red white vampire, uh, one of the guests at Olivia Voldaren's wedding. Yep. Who's very into waltzing. Yeah, and big dancer. Flavor text says, "I'll lead." I'll lead. He's he's the top. Uh, <laughs> the other one is alluring suitor, another vampire guest at Olivia Voldaren's wedding. Uh huh. Also a big dancer. Yep. Not the lead. Not the lead. His flavor text is, "May I have this dance?" Definitely the bottom. Definitely bottom. And he's the art. Like you can sort of see. Like the art of Markov Walzer, he's up in the air. That's what vampires do. They like pose in the air to show off their uh, prowess for being vampires. And the art for alluring suitor is sort of taken at an angle to where he's looking up, you know, as if he was looking yeah. up in the air at the Walzer. It's a whole thing. Yeah. So yeah, the two of those cards. Um, I don't know anything else about their story, <laughs> except that they're both vampires, both guests at the wedding, both really talented dancers. Yep. Uh, that's all I know about them, but based on that alone, I am convinced with every fiber of my being that they are wildly gay for each other. Sure. At least for tonight. At least for tonight. They like yeah. to party. Yeah. So I've built a deck using the two of them as partners. Nice. Uh, 
It's real bad. <laughs> um, but it entertains me enormously. Yeah. Uh, that is the end of Magic franchise characters Yeah. that I found. If I missed someone, please let me know. I do want that information. Yeah, hit us up. Even if you've got, like like Dave said, he built a deck for the Waltzer and the Suitor, and there's no real story behind these two generic characters, but he believes in their love. Like, if you if you have something like that, let us know. Like, yeah. if, you, if you've if you married two couples in your, or two characters in your head, let us know. For sure. There are a couple more characters we can mention. Uh, we got a lot of characters in the Lord of the Rings set. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these characters are canonically canonically involved with one another. Right. So we can we can sort of go through it real quick. Sure. Uh, if you want if you want the actual story behind these, I don't know, read the book or something maybe. Yeah, read the books. Yeah, it's the they're they're good books. Arwen and Aragorn are a thing. Yep. Uh, they love each other very much. Arwen is an elf. She chooses. A beautiful mortality. Elf. She what? A beautiful elf. Beautiful elf. Yep. She chooses mortality so that she can live with Aragorn and die. Uh, she is. Our Arwen is actually uh, sort of a half. Her her dad is a half elf, which means that she sort of gets to choose whether to do the immortal elven thing or the mortal human thing, and okay. she chooses to be a mortal human. She 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 does the elf thing for a couple thousand years and then chooses to be a mortal human so that she can live one human lifetime with Aragorn, yeah. which is a lot more than one human lifetime because Aragorn is a member of the Dúnedain, which has a little bit of elf in their blood from from a long from a distant or maybe they, maybe it's not elven, maybe it's just something some there's something goofy about Dúnedain that makes them live for like two hundred years. Oh okay. So, so they get to, uh, I don't know if they, they get some time together. Yeah. During during the events of the books, Aragorn is like 90 years old. Right. And I think he lives to like 250. Nice. So, uh yeah, they get it they get a solid like century and a half together. Nice. Faramir and Eowyn are another romantic couple from the series. Eowyn mm-hmm. tries really hard to be with Aragorn, who is taken and yep. turns her down very gently. And uh, she finds Faramir uh, in the healing huts, actually. So uh, in the Battle of Pelennor Fields, Eowyn is the one who kills the Witch King. She puts a sword right through his stupid face. Mm. After while, while he is bragging about being unkillable by men. By men, yeah. <laughs> she, she takes her helmet off and is like, I am no man, and puts a sword through yeah. his face. And Eat he a dies. blade, yep. Um, but he, the Witch King has a, a characteristic called, um, they refer to it in the books as all blades perish. Anything that touches him, like, catastrophically implodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the sword arm that she used to stab him withers. Oh, okay. And so she has, she has to spend a long time in the healing huts after the battle to, to like, re, regain the strength in her arm. And like heal the wounds that she suffered in the battle. Sure. And uh, Faramir, who is uh, Boromir's little brother, uh, he's one of the healers in the hut, and they they meet there and start a romance. 
I did want to ask uh, you that we probably should have talked about yeah. this on the Lord of the Rings episode, but I'm looking at all the Aowen printings from the set. There's mm-hmm. a now does the evolution of the rarity sort of follow like her storyline? Like she starts out mono white and then her rare version is Boros and then her mythic version is Jeskai. But I actually the... don't know which represents her in which stage of the Okay. I just didn't know if they like how closely they tried to like follow the character arc, you know what I'm saying, for the individual characters, but Yeah. It's her... just some, something I noticed that as their rarities go up their color identities change as well. Her character arc is she she starts as like a shield maiden of Rohan, which means that she has been trained how to fight, but she's sort of not allowed to go to war with the men. Mm-hmm. She's like, if if their home gets invaded, she can pick up a sword and defend them, but she can't ride to war with them, right? According to their rules, yeah. And she she chafes against these rules. Uh, she wants to fight alongside her love Aragorn, who does not love her back. Um, so when she spends like the, the Battle of Helm's Deep, she just doesn't participate in because mm-hmm. she's not allowed. Right. And then when Rohan is like, we need to ride to the aid of Gondor because there's another one of these battles coming. She's like, I'm not sitting out this one too. <laughs> so she she grabs Pippin, and uh, no Mary. She grabs Mary. And uh, the two of them pretend to be soldiers together, like, you know, wearing big helmets and stuff. So no one knows who they are. And they, they ride with the Rohirrim down to Gondor. And that's when she does the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Okay. So there's there's really only that one, like, big transition in the story from oh, I Shield Maiden, who, like, knows how to fight but isn't allowed to and doesn't really participate except for, like, pining for Aragorn. Mm-hmm. And that's um, actually her mythic uh, card, Aowen Shield Maiden. Oh, hmm. that's interesting. Yeah, and then her, um, yeah, it's not until she pretends to be a, a rider of the Rohirrim that she joins the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Yeah. Oh, cool. I didn't mean to like yeah. derail us. I just thought I just no. That's I've been a seeing good the Lord of the Rings cards for a year now, and I just happened to finally notice that you know it wasn't just Gandalf that changed color ID, you know, identities throughout his rarities, yeah. but a lot of the characters do. Yeah. Uh, other characters that do that are Frodo and Sam. Oh, look at that segue. Yeah, nailed it. Uh, <laughs> Frodo, Frodo's uncommon card, I think, is white-green. And Sam's uncommon yes. card is white. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, Yeah, it's Frodo Baggins, just straight up Frodo Baggins, and then Samwise the Stout-Hearted. Yep. That sounds correct. Yeah, I think Frodo's rare card is white black. And I don't know. Sam's rare card is like white green, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nailed it. Know. But yeah, the the two of them are uh, never explicitly in a relationship in the books, but like, come on, the subtext is <laughs> egregious. That the two of them like, this is the kind of thing that historians are going to be like, what? What what heartwarming brotherly love and you're like please how come they never married <laughs> right like yeah. Fro- Frodo Frodo's a confirmed bachelor for life yeah. Sam Sam eventually marries Rosie Cotton um but the 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 love that the two of them have for one another is very clearly far beyond platonic yeah I think so um and uh, speaking of uh love for for 
love between two men that is not at all platonic. <laughs> that is not at all subtle. <laughs> <laughs> we we also need to talk about Gimli and Legolas, uh-huh. who are the original one true pairing. Yep. Why they don't um, have partner with each other, I'll never know. I'm so mad about it. It would have cost them nothing. Nothing. Not even a negligible amount of ink to put that on the card. Yeah. I mean, you can fix it with a Sharpie. You can. You, yeah. you might as well. Yep. Uh, yeah. Gimli and Legolas, super, super into each other. Super fun cards, super fun characters. Yeah. In the in the movies, they, they sort of like comedy reliefed Gimli in a kind of a big way. Uh, still super fun to watch. Uh, the the relationship that develops between him and Legolas mm-hmm. is a is a good one. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, and Legolas's card, the Counter of Kills, isn't that great? It like it needs Gimli. <laughs> yeah. In the command zone, along with it to be better. Yeah. Chris has that deck, and it's pretty sweet. One more game, Chris. Yeah, one more game, Chris. He's got the Legolas, or he partnered him. He partnered him. Oh, nice. I haven't seen that yeah. yet. Yeah, it's awesome. Sweet. Oh, that's the end of our list. That's it. I'm out. Nice. I'm out. Thanks for taking uh, most of the reins on that one. That's good stuff. Yeah, I. Uh, lots of it's from memory from when I just read. You read a lot of them. the books. Is that where most of that came from? Yeah, book books and more recently just the, the online articles and stuff. Like Heiko and Chie was, uh, was part of the thing that got published online. Mm-hmm. Like some of it, I uh, had to look up. Yeah, yeah. Some of it was pretty wild. Like I, I often fall down the MTG fandom um, website, you know, looking at different characters and stuff. But they actually have like a whole breakdown of the Magic: The Gathering timeline, from like the earliest recorded, yeah. you know, history or whatever to present. And it's really, really fascinating how detailed they break it down like that. With all the different characters and the events and the wars and the natural disasters and like just everything that happens. It's pretty cool. Yeah. If you're into that kind of stuff. I what's what's fun for me is that like thirty years ago I wasn't into that stuff. Like sure. I, I I I was playing magic, but I I didn't know who like Freylice was. I didn't know what the weather light was doing i didn't i didn't know what squeeze deal was i just like i would have the cards and i would mostly just kind of ignore them right but like reading about it now and like going back and like seeing you know these cards that i grew up with like having deeper stories behind them like that's super interesting yeah because some of it goes real deep yeah. Real deep, and it's been running for a long time. You know, it's not like, here's a new set, so we're just going to make a new partnership and give you some hackneyed, you know, backstory. Like, some of the stuff has mm-hmm. been running for years and years and years and years and years. Yeah. The the development of the relationship between Chandra and Nyssa took years, mm-hmm. uh, which was, like, really well done. And uh, I'm glad that it's still a thing and that one idiot author didn't kill <laughs> the whole pairing with yeah. a stupid offhand comment that he didn't even think about. Right. It's cool when that happens. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> no, that's definitely, uh, Chandra and Nissa is definitely a fan favorite as well. Yeah. So. so it's one of my, I mean, Chandra's always been like one of my favorite characters. Yeah, Chandra's just awesome. And it's it's cool, like, seeing her partnership with Nissa gives her a lot of depth in mm-hmm. the story that I appreciate reading about. Yeah. 
Oh, sweet. Well, I know you did most of the uh, legwork on this episode, but do you have any final thoughts? Anything you want to add before we get out of here? Uh, no, just a reminder to um, let me know what I missed. And uh, keep in mind that the depla- the complaint department is still Liam. Yeah, complaints, so if, I mean, Liam, compliments, other ideas, information, me and Dave. Yep. Right, yeah. That's how it breaks down. That's, uh, we didn't, it's just, it's a, it's a crazy coincidence that, uh, Liam's not here and that's how it is, but, uh, that's, that's how it is. Yeah. So. I mean, if, if he was here in, you know, in the PDH pod studio, he'd probably be like, yeah, you're right. It's in my contract on the complaint department. Like he knows yep. it's just, just how it is. He knows the score. He, know, <laughs> he knows what time it is. All right, uh, let's do a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. Uh, as usual, if you need more Popper Commander Talk or have any questions about the format, you can follow us on Instagram and uh, X slash Twitter or just the PDH pod on those platforms. You can email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com and, or you can head on over to the PDH Home Bases website. That'll take you to their Discord server and you, you can find pretty much the entire PDH community over there. Find you some games and all that good stuff. Uh, you can find Liam and I on Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B. And as always, you can find Dave as the Alcadron just about everywhere else PDH is being talked about. All those social media links will be put down in the details below the, uh, uh, down in the show details, I guess. And then one final call, I guess it's not a final call. We still have the Sanctuary Open Series 4 coming up on March 16th. Be sure you get registered for that. It starts at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Dave recently found out if you're playing a paper deck, you got to have sleeves. It's true. It is true. Very much true. Sanctuary rules. You got to sleeve your decks. Yeah. I don't. From... I don't know that anyone was planning on showing up unsleeved except me. <laughs> so this might be, this might be the Alcadron rule. It might be just the Alcadron rule. Yep. But uh, if you if you like me are cool, and doesn't afraid of anything, then uh, this rule is also for you. Yeah. I like that you doesn't afraid of anything. Uh, so yeah, that's March 16th, 2024. Head on over to sanctuarypdh.com. That'll have all the information, register, registration links, all that cool stuff. And then they're also on uh, Twitter at sanctuarypdh. So that's going to wrap up 80, episode 87 of the PDH pod. But we got to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music from the show. For the, for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck. Uh, go be a good partner to someone. And we'll see you in about a week. Peace. Cheers. See ya. See ya. If you like the show and you like what? What was the sound of me drinking from my water bottle? (laughs) A big bubble made a bloop noise. Bloop. Bloop. All right. I brought proper text at the party. Brought Paul protects at the party.